0: What's your favorite scary movie?
1: Horror Time, the podcast where two 20-something LGBTs talk the horror movie of the week, real-life crime or events, and if it's worthy of being an honorary gay film, and yes, the titles are puns. I'm Mel. I'm
0: Kate. Hello, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Uh, <laughs> woo! It's definitely different this year, isn't it? Um, but, <laughs> but so for our second holiday-themed movie, or like the, I don't did, we we picked The Lodge, meaning it to just be, like, a winter movie, and then it was, like, a Christmas movie, kind of. <laughs> that was on accident. But this time, we were like, we're doing a Christmas movie. Yeah. For us. And we chose 2019's Black Christmas. <laughs> so, directed by Sophia Takal and written by her and April Wolf. Uh, Sophia Takal also directed the movie that's our notorious, at least to me, our lost episode <laughs> that I still think about. Yeah all the time was for always shine which we're gonna have to do again one of these days when i'm, <laughs> when I'm able to come to terms with what we've lost yeah. um hey, had you seen this before this was your first time right? yeah this was my
1: first time seeing
0: it oh wow okay but you know you knew kind of like like well let's first off talk about so this is obviously a, a remake but it's very much The only really similarities are, like, the title and that it's, like, a a sorority house, like, uh, Christmas-themed, like, murder happen. Like, uh, it's very different from the the original. Like, the the one from the early 2000s with Katie Cassidy is much more of, like, a direct remake that people also hated. (laughs) Um, But... So, a little history lesson for those who don't know. <laughs> a history lesson. Let's go b- all the way back to 2019. Remember that? <laughs> um, so, first of all, this was the first Blumhouse property to be directed by a woman, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And um, the only th- theatrical release still to this day of-, of Blumhouse to be directed by a woman, all the other ones have been s- direct to streaming. Yeah. Uh, the Craft Legacy was supposed to be a theatrical release, and then Rona happened, but all, there are some, there have been some other ones, and, and some good ones, that are streaming, but I feel like that's worth noting. So, this movie was, like, like success-wise, was, like, Dune from the start, because people fucking suck, is what I'm gonna yeah. say. <laughs> because it has everything against it. It's, first of all, a remake of a beloved slasher, so people are like, why are you doing this? It's very clearly, like, has a political message, which some idiots in horror seem to think that horror isn't political, and it's always been political. Mm-hmm. The original Black Christmas was political. Like, it literally had a plot line about abortion and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> anyways. And a uh, uh, female director, female co like, two female writers. April Wolf, if, if for y'all don't know her, is fucking awesome. She's um she, started, she used to be a film critic and, like, she still hosts this podcast called Switchblade Sisters, where she interviews... Um, female filmmakers about their craft and their favorite genre movie it's fucking awesome you should listen to it so like when this was announced I was so excited like already I'm like well we have to stand (laughs) and it was made really uh, like it was made really quickly like it was announced and then like they filmed it in the summer New Zealand and then it was released in December yeah um and it didn't do well It that people like I sometimes wonder if I saw the same movie that others did because like this got roasted on Mm -hmm. and by a lot of people whose opinion like i won't say who but i got into like a big argument with someone i know and like i said one of the meanest things i've ever said to someone just because i was so mad at the way they were talking about this movie (laughs) in such a like way that like it like obviously art is subjective but like something brought this brought something out of people yeah. Like, and I don't know why. Do you, you hear me right? Yeah. Like, were you around for that? Did you notice any of that when this came out, even though you hadn't seen the movie? I noticed that there was, like, stuff about it. Like, I wasn't really, like, leaning towards
1: it because I wanted to see it eventually. Um, So I didn't really, like, yeah. look into it at all. But I, I do remember hearing people, like, just trashing the hell out of it for
0: some reason. So. I'm wondering if it comes down to, like, Well, first of all, this is a, this is a PG 13 movie. And that was very much the intention of the filmmakers Mm. was because they wanted this to be kind of like a gateway horror for young girls. And you can tell, And, and I'm wondering if it's just one of the things where it's like, it's maybe it's not for you and you shouldn't be mad about that. But I am also not a teenage girl anymore. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And like, if you want a bloody slasher, there's still plenty of those out there. Yeah. Um, the same thing kind of happened with the Craft Legacy for those who did see it, but I think this is a better movie still. Like I've seen both now. Um, what else? We should. Uh, we'll, we'll probably need a trigger warning for this episode because this movie deals with sexual assault, mm-hmm. like directly. This was this was a direct, like, conscious, uh, t- like, um, introspective of the during the Me Too movement. Like this, this was written during the Brock Turner case and all this stuff, and like. Yeah. Um that was something that they intentionally wanted to fit into the theme of this movie because so the the lead character Riley is a survivor of sexual campus assault and no one believed her of course and i wonder if cuz like this movie is obviously very unsubtle about its message but i don't have a problem with that especially with this subject matter because like the way it's handled and also just Like, sometimes things don't need to be subtle because, like, it's still such a, like, clear issue and problem. Yeah. Like, these are still problems on our campus, especially, like, it's a very specific issue. And, like, I don't know how you felt about the way that that was handled, if you have any opinion about that. I really like, like, how, like, on the girls' side, you know, how much they
1: talk about the different stuff. And, um, they, like, you know, even, even they do fight about, like, how far, uh, girl, shit, what's her name? Uh, the girl that was doing the petitions. Um, oh, Chris? Chris, yeah. Um, like, how far she was going in her... Trying to get rid of the teacher played by Cariel was. Uh, which I didn't... I forgot <laughs> that Bam! was... He was in a... And the noise I made when he <laughs> <laughs> appeared, I was like... Uh, so, I was like, okay. Uh, so, that was... uh, But, yeah, and... Like, they, they talk about stuff that, you know, it's... When I, you know, I'm around, I'm around groups of girls, you know, it's pretty common talking. I just like how, like, straight yeah. up, just the fight back against the guys that are just trying to, you know, beat them down or, like, put them into submission to not talk about stuff or, like, threatening them through those, those DMs and shit. And, like, they also, yeah. also showing um, Lindsay at the beginning... Uh, I only just remembered her name because I'm looking at the cast list now. Uh, Aunt Lindsay at the beginning when she's, like, walking home and, like, a guy starts walking behind her and then she puts her, like, keys in her fist. Yes. Like, like, she's gonna turn around if he
0: gets any closer and, like, stab him. Like, he- he- I'm so- like, every woman, that's happened to them, right? Like, we weren't murdered afterwards. No, but, yeah. like, even false alarms, that's happened to me. That happened to me in broad daylight, I was scared shitless and had my keys between my hands. Like, that, I, like, having that included and then having them having uh, them kill one of the the robed things that way. I forgot that that happened. I was like, Yo, yes, fuck yes! Yes, yes! Like, that means something. That fucking means something. Like, I appreciate the thought and care that was put into this movie. Yeah. I, like, this was so clearly a passion project, you can tell. Like, I know, like... Anyways. <laughs> um, do you want to go back to Carrie Elwes? <laughs> oh, for a second. <laughs> oh my god. Boo! I he uh, he was having a great time. He was like, "Did weren't you trashing on his accent?" And I was just like, "That's just his accent." <laughs> he's English. I was like,
1: "What is that accent?" I guess I've never really heard. Like, I I don't know. Oh I just was like, Well, no.
0: what is that? Like, like I think he's he's exaggerating it a little. He he sounds exactly like he sounds in Ellen chanting. Um, so maybe that okay. that's just like his English villain voice. Maybe <laughs> um, thinking he, he has the range. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, like, his professor is, like, kind of, like, the face of, like, misogyny and everything rampant on, like, the campus. Um, because he's, like, this teacher that, <laughs> yeah, so, I, I don't know how to say this. Like, one thing I think this does really well is, like, it kind of sums up all the, like, mindless conversations that are happening and the mindless excuses and arguments that men try to bring up against like this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. i'm like oh well like should i just not teach the classics then and then like the arguments that that one girl gets in with her boyfriend when he like kind of starts to change like whatever like that magic that's affecting him yeah like that i've had exact conversations like that with shitty men (laughs) um (laughs) it just really gets the dialogue right i think again like this doesn't need to be subtle because that's like People really are that stupid. Men, I'm sorry. Like, As I said in my review, men are just like that. Yeah, like they may not be doing witchcraft, but they are just like that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like dude, suck. tell <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> um. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, was the the there's a lot of like this again. This is clearly a passion project. This is clearly made by people who like horror, especially April Wolf. She um, but there's a. So there's a couple odes to like the original Black Christmas. Like it's one thing I caught was the bag. Yes. But again, it's like rever- it's flipping the tables because she gets one of the killers with the bag over his head. I'm just like, "Oh yeah, yes. I forgot about that." Yes. Um the um there's a there's a cat in the original yeah. too. But um so which leads me to that there's this one scene where I was like wondering. I was like is this a reference to the Exorcist Three jump scare? And it turns out I was right because, like, April <laughs> Wolf mentioned it in an interview, and I was like, vindication. But I have you? There's this. There's this scene in the Exorcist Three. I think it's near the end. It's like this hospital, and the, um, the the yeah. show pays homage to this too. But um, this nurse is just going down the hall checking doors, and this person comes out with scissors. Oh, the garden giant shears? scissors. Yeah, the, the garden shears. Yeah, with the garden yeah. shears. Yeah, and like that. The the bait-and-switch of that girl looking for her cat and then the figure coming out of the door. I was like, oh, yes! Oh yeah. <laughs> I just... I appreciate... It. That jump scare is, like, famous, and it's one of the few that got me. Like, oh. I remember watching The Exorcist 3, didn't know that was, like, a thing. I'm like, jumped. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I remember seeing that scene, like, because I'd seen the scene, like, um, and then, like, when it... Yeah, when he comes out with the garden, she's so close to her neck, and then, it, like, cuts. Yeah. I
0: was like, ah! And it cuts to the the headless statue. Yeah. Oh, Woof. Magnifique. (laughs) And the cat's okay in this film
1: too, also, because like I immediately like I when I saw the cat, I was like, oh fuck, and then like went to the does the dog died, and like it's like the cat's fine. (laughs) All he, all the cat does is lick up like the fake uh, black blood stuff that comes out of the guys at the end,
0: and I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine, (laughs) good for her. (laughs) Yay, the cat's fine. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, that. (laughs) In the end of the day, isn't that all that matters? Is if the cat is fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, um, Landon. I did like
1: Landon uh, as one of the guys. Oh yeah. Like, he's like he gets taken in by the the guy the cult behind. Oh, what's that? what are they called? Yeah, he was trying to the like Hawthorne infiltrate bust them so. and stuff like that. And but then like he's yeah. able to snap out of it thanks to uh, Riley, and like just starts throwing down with the guys in the robes. And I was like, yes. 'cause like he just seemed like a like a genuinely you know good person, um, and so it was nice to see him survive the night as well. So. <laughs>
0: do you think they had to include like one good guy like, oh god, we can't pass we off, can't off too many people, <laughs> not too many, <laughs> yeah, no, it is interesting though like I think it's good to have him there as the contrast, cause I i g sorry to bring up the craft legacy oh, no, against Too these these are vastly different films, but also I feel like would make a good double feature because there's in that there's this one guy that's like this macho shithead bully that then they like put a a spell on him to become like his true best self and he basically just becomes this like woke dude <laughs> um that like their ideal and that threatens the evil force in I won't give give it away but the evil force in that that also has to do with the patriarchy and like men thinking that they're somehow oppressed by like the feminist movement or women just being like hey don't rape us or whatever yeah like whatever that that mentality is uh it's fascinating i i love that that women are making these movies now even if they might have flaws but like it's way more interesting than a lot of other shit i've seen coming out in recent memory like i i like that it's taking risks and trying to actually like say something even if you might th- think that these films have flaws like i don't think this is a perfect movie but i really enjoyed it yeah and even, even enjoyed the second watch um that's all i think oh also uh, helena was uh, uh oh, was yeah. a surprise like i didn't know that oh she's yeah surpri-
1: that she survived in like what she did and like i genuinely don't know if she was like actually believing in what they were saying to like stay alive or if she was just faking it the whole time mm-hmm. so like
0: i don't know i don't, like was, i guess we'll never guess know, you'll never know. <laughs> yeah um
1: oh and all the girls from the difference like it's not just the one sorority house that's affected it's so <gasps> oh, many yeah! of the others and they all band together that survived to like just take them down at the end i was just like living for it
0: yeah, the reveal of that second house is so cool when you think the, the campus security showing up and it's the other one and they are also just stabbing these dudes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love women. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm glad... I This is apparently kind of getting a bit of a resurgence now that it's on HBO Max and I'm really glad and I just hope that, like, specifically young girls who are, like, getting into horror find this movie. I'm just glad it's out there. Yeah. Another fine canon to holiday horror as well, I think. <laughs> And I I, I okay. just want to say I really like um, Imogen Poots's performance in this is worth noting I think too mm-hmm. because she has to go through a lot like as an assault survivor there's a lot that she has to express um, and like you can tell that she's constantly living through that like it, it's done really well and like the kind of buoyancy she feels near the end as it's just they literally burn it down yeah like I, that's powerful <laughs> oh and
1: the the, s- the scene the i i thought was like my first thought was like mean girls uh obviously because oh, yeah. San- <laughs> oh yeah the uh santa song where they like sing about yeah. her assault that was just aw- like the guys in the audience were booing, but the girls were like yes yes yeah <laughs> So i was like yes I love I love that scene, because, like, at first she was frozen because she did see the guy that had assaulted her, like, in the crowd. But, yeah. like, she eventually does, you know, uh, get out of the frozen state that she is, that she's in to sing the song and tell her truth to everybody in the audience.
0: I liked it. Yeah, it's it, it's nice that we've come to this point as opposed to, like, exploitation horror of, of women and everything, like, yeah being assaulted as just for shock value having nothing to do with the movie like that's we're progressing i hope progress <laughs> hey, hey all right yeah um so did you have a unless you have something else to say you have like a true crime event I about this do are there actual witchcraft misogynists? i wish
1: Um, But I did find something, uh, it happened actually a few years before Ted Bundy uh, killed the girls, those girls in college. Because I know that's a famous case, so I was like, I gotta find something else uh, to cover. (laughs) Um, And this was actually called the Co-Ed Murders. Uh, There was a murder of seven young women. Um, It was in the Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti community. Uh, it was by John Norman Collins, who was eventually arrested for the murder of the seventh victim, whose name was Karen Sue Bindman. Uh He was actually arrested based on a tip provided from by his uncle, who was a Michigan state trooper, <laughs> as well. Uh, the first murder <laughs> occurred on July 9th, 1967, uh, when Mary Fleazar, a 19 year old from Willis, went out for a walk near the Eastern Michigan University campus. She told her roommate that she, she needed to get a bit of fresh air due to the summer heat. Uh, she was studying accounting at EMU and was working as a secretary. But she was not found until August 7th, 1967, and she had been badly decomposed. Uh, she'd been stabbed several times in the chest and her fingers and feet had been cut off. Uh, police theorized that she had also been sexually assaulted, but due to the condition of the body, they could not determine that for certain. Uh, it was seen as an isolated incident, even though it was particularly gruesome. Uh, the murder of Joan Shell, a 20-year-old EMU student, however, threw the community into a panic. She was last seen hitchhiking on June 30th in 1968 in front of Eastern Michigan's Student Union. Her roommate became concerned when she did not return that night and notified police the next day. She was found a week later near Glacier Way and Earhart Road by construction workers. she had also been stabbed. Um, her throat had been cut, and she had been sexually assaulted, and her miniskirt had been used to strangle her she had been seen entering a late model red and white vehicle which contained three other people the police authorities obviously wanted to question those three men who had given her a ride and while two murders had been committed this far uh they did not connect that it was a serial killer like they just thought they were isolated incidents uh this is the second case they said that we've had this like this in year and it's strangely similar but they didn't quite think that it was a uh Zero <clears throat> killer yet says that we can't tell uh, if the two are related until the assailants are apprehended and we have a chance to question them. So the search is fo- the search focused on the vehicle which shell was seen entering. Um, she was only hitchhiking because she missed a bus, which was taking her to Ann Arbor to visit her boyfriend uh they the officers there searched the scene attempting to find her purse and the murder weapon and it was believed that she'd been killed elsewhere and her body had been moved to where they found her eventually uh he they the boyfriend they eventually picked up for questioning cuz he was actually AWOL also from the army he was released after it though and he was not considered a suspect The third murder victim was found in a cemetery just inside of Wayne County. Jane Mixer was a 23-year-old University of Michigan law student. Her murder was unlike the others, as she was shot twice in the head with a 22 caliber gun. Her body was fully clothed except for her shoes, which were neatly placed next to the body. Uh, She'd also been strangled um, with stockings around her neck, uh, but she was believed to have been killed elsewhere and placed in the cemetery. Uh, they continued searching for the killer when the 4th was found in late March of 1969. Her name was Marilyn Skelton. She was 16 years old from Romulus and was last seen on March 24th, hitchhiking in front of the Arborland Mall on on Washington. Uh, her body was found on Pemberton Drive in the Earhart Subdivision in Ann Arbor. She had been beaten to death. Uh, her skull was shattered. Uh, the location of her body was only a quarter mile away from the body of the second victim, and police said that this was the most sadistic murder to date, as Skelton's body bore deep wounds believed to have been made by a leather strap. There was a garter belt twisted around her neck, and Chief Cransey stated it was the worst he had seen in his 30 years with the department. Uh, Skelton had also been reported missing when she failed to meet a friend at McKinney Union at Eastern Michigan University. She had previously called this friend and asked to be picked up at that location. Uh, The following day, her parents contacted the Wayne County Sheriff's Department to make a missing persons report. Uh, by this point, a massive investigation was ongoing as fear continued to thrive throughout the community. The police departments of Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti, along with the Washtenaw County Sheriff's Departments and Michigan State Police, dedicated many detectives in search of the elusive killer. In spite of their efforts, there was a fifth victim found on April 19, 1969, at Gale and Freeland Roads. She was 13 years old. Her name was Dawn Bossom. Uh, she was found strangled with black electrical wire. Um, her body was slashed across of her, checks, her chest and um, on her bottom. Uh, a handkerchief was stuffed into her mouth, and her blue stretch pants were missing. Uh, she'd been reported missing by her mother on April 18th when she failed to return home from visiting a friend. She was an 8th grade student at West Junior High in Yvesalanti and she had left prior to darkness as she told her friend that she had to get home. She was last seen walking down the Penn Central Railroad tracks which passed near her house. Um, they found that the slashes on her body were over a dozen, and they had been made with a razor or a very sharp knife. Uh, they also believed that she had been killed elsewhere and dumped along the road. The Sheriff Harvey believed the killer wanted the body found, as it was just lying along the road and anybody passing by would notice it. So the several similarities that the police had begun to work with, uh, drove them to help find, like, you know, this is probably a serial killer and they have to find him. Uh, four of the missing, uh, the victims had been connected with Eastern Michigan University. Strangulation was involved in four of the five cases. All of them were white with brown hair and all the bodies were easily found. Uh, which obviously led to the police believing that the killer wanted them to be found. Uh, Area police agencies received hundreds of tips, but were no closer to solving the latest murder than they were to the first. Um, Ann Arbor Police Chief Cransey stated, Somewhere there must be a connection, someone who must have one piece of information that will give us the break we need. The pace of the killings accelerated, with the killing of 23-year-old Alice Colomb. She was a recent University of Michigan arts graduate and was enrolled as a graduate student. Her death took place on June 7, 1969. Uh, she had been shot once in the head. She had also been stabbed twice in the chest and was uh, sexually assaulted. Uh, it was believed as sh- that she was killed elsewhere uh, as her naked body was found by an abandoned farm near North Territorial in U.S. 23 Highway. Three days later, officers found the site of her murder as they were patrolling outlying areas and found at Earnhardt Road in Joy were Colombe's shoes and coat buttons along with bloodstains. She had also been seen at the Depot House uh, in Ann Arbor where she was dancing with a bunch of other people. It's a place for, like, rock rehearsal house for rock bands. Uh, no one knew if she left with anybody there, um, so... No one was able... There was no one able to be questioned. After that, uh, Sheriff Douglas Harvey stated that the latest murder appeared to be a carbon copy of the previous one. Up until this this point in the investigation, detectives were not convinced that the murder of Jane Mixter was connected as she had been shot and the other victims had been strangled or stabbed. Uh, With the murder of Colomb, however, they felt all the six murders were committed by the same person. Uh... Governor William McKell- Milliken, in a press conference, stated everything could be done to help the local police would be. He further stated that Colonel Frederick Davids, commander of the state police, was personally in charge of the Michigan State Police portion of the investigation. Um, and the governor's 21-year-old daughter was a junior at University of Michigan. The officers investigating the killings were so desperate for a break in the case that they spoke of connecting, contacting a criminologist who is a nationwide expert in the field. Chief Crancy stated it's apparent we need a new, fresh look at the crimes. It's possible a trained, competent criminologist can, through his experience and training, give us a fresh approach. I'm certainly willing to try it. Um, What would be the last of the Cohen murders occurred on July twenty third, 1969, when the body of 18-year-old Karen Sue Vindman was found on Riverside Drive in Ann Arbor Township. She was found uh, strangled and nude. Her face was beaten beyond recognition. Uh, she had gone to downtown Ypsilanti to to uh, buy a wig at 1 p.m. And she had been reported missing after she did not return to her residence hall at Eastern Michigan University. Um, she was a freshman there. Uh, when she was reported missing, authorities searched around the clock but were unsuccessful to find her. A clerk at the Ypsilanti store was the last known person to have seen Byman alive. She was heard. Uh, saying that she had done two foolish things in her lifetime. One was buying a and the other was accepting a ride with a Stranger on a motorcycle. And then she exited the store and left with this unknown person on the motorcycle. Uh, it was believed to have been a Honda, Honda 450, very shiny, lots of chrome. The investigators obtained a list of these motorcycles in the state and began the process of trying to find the killer through it. Uh, As in all the other killings, it appeared that Byneman had been killed elsewhere and her body was dumped in a secluded ravine. She was found by homeowners who were walking to their mailbox to get their mail. Uh, The autopsy revealed that she had been killed the day that she did disappear. Um, Her father had to be hospitalized for shock because uh, when they notified him of uh, her death. At approximately midnight uh, on July Twenty seventh, a lone male was observed walking down Riverside Drive. Uh, when the man entered the ravine, the op- detectives obviously thought that they had their man. They had been staking out the area to see if that he would return to the crime, uh, because they would placed a mannequin there, acting like we had, they hadn't found her body yet. Um, he was close enough to the mannequin that he could touch it. Um, and then he discovered that it wasn't Feynman's body, and he bolted through the woods with the detectives in pursuit. Uh, they tried to search for him, but they were not able to locate him. Uh, while the te- detectives received criticism for not apprehending the man, it should be noted that the suspect approached the body through a densely wooded area in a steady rainfall. Visibility was poor, and the detectives could not get close enough to arrest him before the suspect fled after he saw the mannequin. Uh, it was believed he was believed to have run through a swampy area to elude capture and then swam across the river In another twist to the investigation Governor Milliken invoked a little used law which gave full jurisdiction in the murder investigation to the Michigan State Police. While he made the decision he stated it was not because of a lack of accomplishment by the departments investigating the murders. Uh, law, local law enforcement felt differently however as this was perceived to be a vote of no confidence. After an arrest was made in the case, Prosecutor Delhi responded to this criticism. He said, We don't believe we acted like non professionals, as one paper said, nor as Keystone cops, like another newspaper put it. The investigation continued, and in the break, which solved the murder of Karen Bindman came in a most unusual way. Michigan State Police Corporal David Leich was assigned to the Ypsilanti Post and was a resident of Ypsilanti, uh, residing on Roosevelt Street. He was going on vacation and had his nephew, John Norman Collins, take care of the family home while he was away for two weeks. When he returned home from vacation, he found things in the house not as they should be. He passed this information along to detectives investigating the murders, and the focus was then placed on his nephew. He was not immediately arrested, as the evidence against him was initially insufficient for a successful prosecution. He was placed under surveillance and then was picked up for questioning on two occasions. On July 31st, 1969, Collins was placed under arrest for the murder of Karen Sue Byneman. At the time, Collins was a senior at Eastern Michigan University studying elementary teaching. He was 22 years old at the time. After Byneman was reported missing, an artist made a composite of the man that was observed giving Byman a ride on the motorcycle, and it strongly resembled Collins, and Corporal Lake told the investigators that Collins did own a motorcycle. It was believed that Byman was killed in Corporal Lyke's basement by Collins when the murder took place. There was blood spattered on the basement floor. Collins knew he had to clean the scene of the murder up and paint it over the areas in which the killings had took place. When Lyke returned home from vacation, he immediately became suspicious suspicious wondering why his basement floor had been painted. He discovered what appeared to be blood underneath the paint, although this turned out to be varnish. He reported his suspicions to his superiors at the state police, and technicians were sent out to investigate further which and found uh, blood spatters by the family washing machine. A fingerprint set in wet paint was found to be Collins, and this was part of the evidence used to arrest him, as well as blood and hair samples. Once Collins was arrested, left technicians discovered blood and hair in his 1968 Oldsmobile Cutlass, which masked Bindman's. Uh, investigators spoke to the clerks at the whip shop where Bindman was last seen, and they identified Collins as the person she was with. Another Eastern co-ed identified Collins as he had tried to pick her up and give her a ride on his motorcycle. While the focus of the investigation was obviously on Collins, detectives did not discount the possibility that Collins did not act alone. In the shell murder, she was seen getting into a car with three other males. Certainly, her murder could have occurred after leaving this car, but investigators looked into every possible angle. They even uh, flew to California to consult with the authorities in Claremont as they were investigating a murder eerily similar to the Coed murders. Collins had gone to California with his friend and was there when the murder occurred. He was considered to be a very strong suspect in that case. They believe that he was the driver of the vehicle Schnell Shell had entered and that the other two males exited shortly afterwards. His preliminary exam was held during August of 1969 in front of Judge Edward Deke. Uh, Judge Deke found that the murder had been committed and that there was probable cause to believe Collins had committed the crime. The only murder Collins was being prosecuted for was that of Karen Sue Bindman. Evidence did not exist to go forward with the other six. Uh, he denied killing Bindman to his attorney, stating that he had never met her. Eventually—oh, God. Sorry. Collins was sentenced to life in prison in August 1970. When the sentence was announced, Collins stated, I never knew a girl named Karen St. I never took the life of Karen St. Those were the only words that he ever uttered publicly about the murder up to that time. Uh, He began serving his sentence at the Southern Michigan Prison in Jackson, was transferred to Marquette Prison in 1977. In January of 1980, he had an unexpected return to Ann Arbor um, when he was admitted to the University of Michigan Hospital for a fractured skull. Uh, There was actually a movie about the murders that was partially filmed in Ann Arbor during the summer of 1977. Uh, it started Victoria Bailey as one of the murder victims, and Bob Perley played the, the role of Collins, although the names were all changed in the movie to avoid legal problems. Uh, the movie cost over $1 million to make, and parts of the movie were also filmed in Southern California, as Collins was believed to have murdered the young woman there. Uh, the film was na- named Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, uh, and was, the script was based off of the book The Michigan Murders, which was a book written about the co-ed murders. Uh, the film was never completed According to Lieutenant Logg, who was probably consulted upon the movie. In 1979, Collins attempted to escape from the maximum security prison at Marquette. Uh, He, along with six other inmates, dug a two-foot-wide tunnel over 19 feet under the prison. The prisoners had another 25 feet to dig for freedom, but were thwarted by a guard who found the tunnel entrance. And he's still serving life there, as far as I could find. Uh, He hasn't tried to escape again since. So... I don't, I don't know if they ever got evidence to convict him on the other murders that, uh, were connected, but he was definitely put away with that probably in mind, because he was only convicted for Mm. the one. So that's, uh, that's John Norman Collins, who was a co-ed killer before Ted Bundy, happened to be one. So, sorry that was so long. There was a lot of stuff to go through. (laughs) much to think about much to think about have any last thoughts before we segue into if this film is gay
0: well let's talk about that (laughs) um I mean there's nothing explicit in it obviously I for one think that there's always um opportunities for a house full of women for some gay shit to happen it's uh, it's also not explicitly not gay so how about that I don't know (laughs) I get vibes from Chris. I don't know. <laughs> I get vibes, but yeah, they're, they're, they're vibes. But yeah, nothing explicit, obviously, in this. That would have been cool, but hey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, too can't can be too too many political things at once. The the the, the brains will explode of the the tiny men. <laughs> I don't know. I feel it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I got. Unless you have something else to add.
1: Uh, I, isn't it, is it, isn't it gay lads to fight the patriarchy and burn
0: down a fraternity <laughs> house? Yes. I, I mean, if, you know, if Born in Flames taught us anything, it's uh, I don't know. Um, Okay, how about this? Also, Carrie Elwes from the gay fil- romance film Saw is in this. There he is. So, it's also... <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I may be stupid, <laughs> You can wind down if you want. Uh, try, give Give Black Christmas 2019 a try is what I'm trying to say. Please. It's on HBO Max. It's
1: a fun time. You will have a good time. I promise.
0: <laughs> promise. <Perhaps>. So, what? <laughs> I've been watching a lot of cr- ba- like Christmas shit because it's Christmas. I don't know if I've talked about all the bad like Hallmark mo- style movies I've been watching, but. There have been some gay ones this year, like oh! real gay ones. If if you'd like me, and I've, if you'd like me to go over them. So first of all, Hallmark made a big deal about having their first like gay gay shit happening in this thing called the Christmas House, and it is like a c plot line at best. <laughs> it's like a, a sorry excuse. It's like, but uh, I think Lifetime had something called the Christmas Setup with and Fran Drescher's the mom. So already, like thank you. That was really cute, and Dashing in December from Paramount TV, oh which I didn't know was a thing until I heard about this movie. One of my friends just watched that uh, and is,
1: like, going insane about it.
0: They're it's so it's, la- they la- it's great. It's great. Like, anyone that was complaining about Happiest Season, they're like, no, we want just, like, the shitty Hallmark-style romance, but we get it. Like, these are, that's it. We got some. It's, uh, nothing sapphic, unfortunately, but we got it. We got it. We have it. I also I rewatched Night of the Hunter, which I would love to do an episode on sometime. I used to watch
1: that, so um, yes, we should. Yes. You you have watched I, it? I need to watch it. It's on my list
0: since okay. it's on the AFI list. So Okay, cool. It's oh my god, like I don't know what happened, man. Like I watched it like last year for the first time. I was like, Yeah, I was good, man. Yeah. And first I just wanted to rewatch it and it just like hit me. Like something struck with me about it because it's like It's so many different blends of genres, and like in the like, it's kind of almost just like this very dark fairy tale Mm -hmm. from the kids' perspective. And I just like, I think I don't know about you, but I view like everything differently right now during this pandemic. Yeah. And this one, because it's all about like the shit that kids have to go through, and I don't, it was just really hitting me in in a way. I was just like, oh my god, we have to protect the kids. And I was like, (laughs) Crying at Night of the Hunter. <laughs> um, also, uh, I, I li- bef- right before we started recording, I watched this French musical Christmas movie called Eight Women with, like, every French actress you could think of is in it. And it's absolutely <laughs> wild and very gay. So, hello. Oh, yeah. I, also started, I also started reading. I can read now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reading this book called Written in the Stars, and it's just, like, cheesy sapphic, fake dating romance that be- obviously is going to become real. Because um, <laughs> that's what I need right now. So maybe, maybe it'll get adapted or something, and everyone who hated Happiest Season can just watch this instead. Yeah. What about you? Oh, that was a
1: lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I didn't really watch many other movies uh, besides Black Christmas this week, um, but I did watch the entirety of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix, um, which is, like, a reboot of the 1980s series, which is also great. I love... (laughs) I love the intro of it. It's so very 80s and I was living for it. I've been watching some of the episodes off of there, too. Um, And just, like, some... (sighs) Like, the, there's, like, the Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix is, like, really actual Unsolved Mysteries. Like, some of the stuff that happens in the 80s when it's like, oh, this was just weird lights in the sky. But this is, like, people, like, they left their house real quickly and then we found him, like, smashed through the roof next to this parking garage of this hotel. And no one knows how he got through that and, like, how he got there. Uh, has one of them that was the case of Ray Rivera um they he was found in like this room next to the Hotel Bellevue I believe and like no one knows how he like smashed through the roof which was like metal um and his uh like his uh glasses were found perfectly like perfectly okay uh next to his um next to the hole in the roof and his phone was also there cuz this was like early 2000s i think um but his like sandals were like next to the hole kind of all like strange and i'm like the only way i think that could have happened was he was like dead and then thrown off the roof by somebody but like nobody knows like what happened or what um it's unsolved it's <laughs> And and the person that he was working for, which was supposed to be his best friend that he moved to a new city to work for, like, hours after his body was found, they gag-ordered all the employees and have refused to talk to the police. And so I'm just, Ooh. like, sus. It's <laughs> going, <This was> sus. <laughs> sus. So, um, but, like, some of these unsolved cases, like, the people have just disappeared and it's just so... Insane to me. That that can just happen. Like, and there was, I was also listening to my, uh, one of the podcasts I listened to is The Vanished, and this guy went to a party and then he just disappeared along with, like, his truck, which is weird because usually when you have a missing person, you tend to find their vehicle pretty quickly, but, like, they've never found his truck and it's been over 10 years. I think he, like, disappeared in 2006 and they've never found his truck or his. Or his body, or anything, and I'm just like, "What the fuck? so creepy." <laughs> so why do you listen to this
0: shit? Why I do don't you know, know. I just—it's so fascinating, I'm already but like scared enough. freaky
1: at the same time. It's—it's it's, it's like that one picture <laughs> I made where it was like the slide leading into a hole, and it's like reading scary stories to tell in the dark as a child, and it's like my almost unhealthy borderline obsession with horror. It's like <laughs> slippery
0: slope. I don't horror and true crime are different. I don't know if we do both on here, yeah. but like I can handle any horror, but like true crime is fascinating to me, but like I get so upset just thinking of, about the people in <laughs> it. Like, I can't do
1: it. I can watch I can listen to a bunch of true crime and be okay, but if I start watching too many true crime oh. shows, then I just feel like my yeah. moods start to drop, so I have to be careful <laughs> about that. But yeah, like it's, it's some wild shit, man. Some wild stuff going on oh, out girl. there um and i also a life update i guess i also started working at barnes and noble again because i needed a job and they were hiring and so i was like hey welcome me back after two years so that's what i'm doing uh everyone stay the fuck. please stay home (laughs) there were so many people at my store in the afternoon and i'm like people why are you doing this though a to be fair, amount of them was just there to pick up their online orders that they had purchased and just mm. in and out. So I was thankful for those people. Um, but I'm just glad we're closed on Christmas so I can just stay home.
0: <laughs> on that note, I hope everyone has... A- anyone that celebrates Hanukkah, I hope y'all had a great Hanukkah. That's over. And anyone that celebrates Christmas, have a nice and safe Christmas. Be smart. Be safe. Uh... Yeah. Oh, you can find me at Dyke da- <laughs> You can find me at Dyke Madden on Twitter, and you can
1: find me at LM Designs on Twitter. Uh, and you can find the podcast on Twitter at Horror Time Pod and Facebook at Stop Horror Time Pod. Uh, if you like what we do, um, totally give us a rating on whatever you listen to. If it has that, uh, it's just more for like algorithms and to share us to more people. Uh, I also did promo the Facebook page because Facebook was like, "Here, do you want this ten, this twenty dollars credits to promote your page?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah, I do!" And so I did. Uh, so <laughs> we've reached more people, and that's fun. Um, and we're also pretty good if somebody wants to know more about horror uh, but doesn't want to watch the movies. So keep that in mind for all of us. Uh, we're very thankful for you guys for surviving with us through this twenty twenty year because we know that has been quite insane. Um, so the next time that we record, it will be in 2021, and hopefully this time we can be like, 2021,
0: our year. Oh, my God. We really Guys, did that. It. <laughs> my dad jinxed it we first. Really, we really put on that clown makeup <laughs> and said 2020 is going to be our year. Hong Kong. <laughs> Rip. Uh.
1: Well, hopefully things will go better. We'll just have to try to make the best out of it if we can. So stay safe, everybody. Have a good holiday. Mm -hmm. And we will see you guys in the new
0: year. Bye. (gasps) Oh, yes, we will. Bye.